And we're here, and it's our, you know, the summer's coming, as we saw from the uh, introduction there, and it's been such a lovely few days with the weather as well, hasn't it? It's been absolutely fantastic. It's been spot on. I kind of feel, having watched the intro there, we've got quite a rustic feel going on. We probably should have dressed slightly differently for this episode, but summer is definitely on the way, and as always, it's lovely to be on the show and chatting with some amazing products we've got today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, before we do that, though, it's uh, just been a little while since we've had a chat on the Check It Out show. So what's been busy for Mr. Kingsley since we last got together? To be fair, he's lying. We were chatting 10 minutes ago. But <laughs> on the show live, what's been happening? Well, we've kind of coincided our travels. We had a great trip across to Northern Ireland last week for the ASCOL EdTech Conference. A great chance for us to share ideas along with some other great speakers. Quite a lot of um, meeting of like minds, which is great, but also nice to get a bit of a litmus test from educators within the sector it's that time of year where there's lots of conferences and events um a bit like yourself mark i always refer to myself as an edu sponge so i always go and feel like i share five things and learn 15 to take away which is lovely uh, and it's busy time in the schools as well um, and alongside that as a business the edtech solutions we're looking at developing solutions ready for the next academic year and the holidays so Busy all round, but now's a great time of year where there's lots of sharing and ideas that hopefully people can put into place in the holidays. So, um, yeah, good. And what about you? Apart from getting delayed at a certain airport on the way back from the ASCOL conference in Northern Ireland, anything else to share? Well, you know, before I jump into things that I've been up to and sharing those sort of things, I think actually it's lovely to um, hear those reinforcements from other people who are teaching, you know, Philippa Wraithmel and uh, Linda Parsons, uh, uh, Paul Gardner uh, and, uh, and Kareen Latham. Uh, from from Belfast as well, um, <clears throat> but um, my flight was delayed. Um, not delayed as much as cancelled. In fact, <laughs> until the next day. Um, but um, it reminded me that when you've got a good PLN, and the PLN is a really important thing, both as an educator and uh, I'm learning, you know, in the ed tech space as well. And what I found was that I've got a friend in every city, and, I, and I've known that as an educator who shares on social media for some time. But um, what was really lovely, and uh, one of our guests this evening comes from uh, Textile, talking about Equatia later on, uh, Sammy. Uh, will be joining us later but um, uh, our friend Paddy McGrath from Texthelp uh, saw oh, that wow. my flight was cancelled uh, gave me a bit of the uh, local Belfast uh, hospitality met up with me and, and it was late in the day you know my, you were there with me at the airport it wasn't uh, we didn't learn about the flight being cancelled till nine o'clock and so <coughs> you know, it's yeah. one of those great things when you've got a good professional uh, uh, learning network on social media uh, you, you find those people will, will reach out and, and connect and help and support and, and all those sort of things so whether you're watching the show as an educator whether you're showing watching the show as somebody who works in ed tech uh, having a strong peer and something that I would definitely advocate for reinforcing. But you what know? you seem to have shared as part of your message of a strong PLN was that we were both at the airport, I got on a plane and left you there for the night. But apart from that, we've got a very strong PLN. Yeah. We have, but truth be told, you were there and you, and you, I mean, you were super helpful in helping me get uh, my flight sorted and uh, just trying to get ready, really. and uh, yeah. all the rest of it. Um, well, yeah, trying to get rid of it as, as well, but no, no. Um, so yeah, great PLN is a lovely thing to have. <clears throat> Great conversations for me with schools recently, with the schools that I'm working with, Al. Uh, lots of opportunity to look and reflect not only on their digital strategy. Um, you know, it's been a little while since things have sort of opened back up in schools. And, uh, and now lots of schools have, have started making choices about the things that did work for them, the things they're looking to reevaluate following yeah. their experiences during, uh, during the lockdowns, things uh, that uh, they want to keep. You know, in a, in a in a world where I don't know if any of you watched that uh, 
uh, that that program on on Saturday morning live on on TV where they had their sort of hit miss or maybe uh, sort of thing with the thumbs up, the with a little thumb down, uh, and lots of those sort of conversations around good ed tech. And the Ticket Out show is always a great place to come and hear about those uh, new and upcoming solutions and uh, products and services into education that might be an alternative for some of the things you're currently looking at reviewing. And it's always good to learn and keep your toes on the and finger on the pulse of, of what's new and what's out there as well, isn't it, Alan? I'm on the finger of being on the pulse. I think going live was the 80s, so you're slightly out of date on that Saturday morning show. There you go. <laughs> show me age as well. Look. I'm just here to provide the, you know, the, the yang to your ying, Mr. Anderson. Well, as you were sharing just a few moments ago, it is a smashy and nicey show, really. Indeed, so, indeed. Uh, I can be the smashy and you can be the nicey, yeah. We'll work with that. <laughs> More importantly, we've got loads of nicey people on the show tonight. That is why you do a professional segue, so do take note. Absolutely. And and with that in mind as well, actually, it's always good to develop those relationships, to spend some time really, you know, fostering them, you know, working through them and maybe nurturing those conversations and relationships. What do you think? I, I see what you've done there. It's almost like our first guest <clears throat> would be something that really embraces the term nurture or even is called nurture. It may well be. Welcome to the Check It Out show, uh, Dave Neville, CEO at Nurture. Welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing? I'm very good. Anna Mark, how are you, gents? <clears throat> yeah, really, really good. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this little segue there. That was very stylishly done. Very impressive. <laughs> yeah. We probably should keep some of these to ourselves, really, rather than broadcast. But nonetheless, lovely to see you, Dave. You too, Al. You too. But welcome to the show. Um, obviously, Al and I are well aware of, of Nurture and the company, and, and but uh, for those people who aren't aware of Nurture and uh, want to learn more, because you're you know, fresh up on, on, as our first guest on the show this evening, uh, could you share a little bit about what Nurture is, uh, what your service solution does for education, please? Absolutely. So from the elevator pitch perspective, um, I'll keep this nice and short, so uh, not to overwhelm people from the start. But uh, so... The whole thing that we do at Nurture is about closing the feedback loop. And we try to create that connection between the teacher and learner um, through closing the feedback loop. Um, so when we talk to schools and colleges that we work with, predominantly secondary level is, is the sweet spot for us. Um, we talk about how we simplify formative assessment and feedback. And in the kind of the shift that's happened over the last number of years, trying to move away from or over dependence, I guess, on the high stakes end of term exams, we're starting to see formative assessment of feedback becoming a really key theme within schools and as part of their progression plans and school improvement plans. And that's really at the heart of what we do. Um, so it's all about trying to simplify that formative assessment of feedback between the teacher and learner by closing that feedback loop. One thing I, I was, um, apart from that, we've obviously met and, and chatted before, is I watched a great um, video case study from Shylands about the role of nurture. And some of that focused around some of the, the steps in terms of for a young person giving their feedback to the feedback they've received and building on that. Normally we ask what makes you different, but I kind of feel that's a really good example of what makes you different. So could you just unpack that a little bit about how that works and what the feedback's been? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a really good point in terms of the, the type of feedback we've got from the likes of, of schools like Shardland Collegiate Academy um, in the West Midlands and working with their trust there from the CEO, uh, Sir Mark Grundy, the principal, Dave Irish, and, and some of the amazing teachers there like Georgina. But one of the things that really resonated with them and, and with lots of others is that whole idea of the students reflecting on their feedback before they unlock their grade or their score. So one of the big parts about how Nurture came about is, is that we're really research informed. So from the, the research frameworks that we have behind the scenes, um, Georgina talks about this, how she loves being guided by the, by the research without being conscious of the research. 
who really do do a, a lot of effort in terms of having that behind the scenes. But when it comes to the students receiving their feedback, that kind of sinking feeling that teachers and educators often get is that putting effort into feedback and then students receiving it and not knowing if they've even looked at it or if they've taken that on board. And then they start to make the same mistakes again. It's that just gut-wrenching feeling of the effort you've gone to is not landed with the students or the learners. So the approach we've taken to that is all about, and when we talk about closing the feedback loop, is that the students reflect on their feedback before unlocking their grades. So we do things like, for example, a student receiving their feedback, they're asked to tell us three things they've learned, two things they found interesting, one question they're still left with, and only after they've gone through that process do they then access their grade. So what it does is it, it removes that ego response. So a student's opinion of their feedback, are they happy or are they disappointed? It's not based on their score. It's actually looking at the feedback that they've got from their teacher and have they seen what they did well and have they seen how they can improve? And that's what they're basing their opinion on feedback on. So it's really about building those healthy habits where students are not being just saying that I'm happy because I did well or, or because I did poorly, but actually there's value in feedback regardless of how it performs. And there's always the opportunity for me to improve. And that's really that, that idea of students seeing that process and, and building those healthy habits. One of the most loveliest things when I actually visited Chardon recently, I got to sit with some of those students and hearing them talk about not just kind of getting excited and kind of lighting up when they talk about, oh, I love it when Miss shows me how I can improve and, and that I've seen myself make those improvements. But they even talk about coming back to that feedback four or five weeks down the line when they're revising again. So if you think of the kind of return on investment for teachers putting time into feedback, it's not just at that point in time that students are seeing the value in it, but they're coming back to it again as they're revising because they've, they've recognized the value of feedback at that point, so that they're coming back to it again. So yeah, a really exciting one that we see with our, our teachers and learners. Thanks, Dave. Uh, as, as you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited by nurture and uh, and and what it can do, and uh, and a big uh, sort of advocate for it as well. But to put myself in place of somebody watching the show this evening, thinking, you know, as a teacher, thinking, "Crikey, this is ticking loads of right boxes for me." Um, how can I get involved? Where, where can I learn more about nurture? Can you share a little bit about where the nurture platform actually sits? Does it sit on the website? Do you log into it? Does it integrate with things? Is it Google? Is it Microsoft? T tell us more about that, please. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so our initial partner and our key partner from the start, um, Mark, has been Microsoft. So nurture is fully accessible within Microsoft Teams. Within the, a couple of clicks within Microsoft Teams, the teacher can have nurture set up within their classroom, leverages single sign-on and all of the benefits of being within that Microsoft uh, network. We've worked closely with the team in the US in terms of the product development to be able to be accessible to teachers um, globally as well. But that key part means what we learned in our early days was that if we were to be another tool external, it can be quite hard for teachers to make that part of their day to day. Whereas we thought, OK, Microsoft being our first partner, Microsoft Teams has become really central as a hub for the education and the teaching and learning aspect of, of how educators uh, work today. So we thought, let's bring Nurture to where they are rather than bringing them to where we are. So Nurture is now part of that Microsoft ecosystem where teachers can have that set up and that's where it becomes part of their classroom. So again, touching on term, in terms of their setup, but also students are familiar with Microsoft. They know it's part of, let's say, Microsoft Teams and then being able to leverage that as part of the day-to-day -day using the key assessment points through Nurture. That's kind of our starting point. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Over to you, Al. Yeah, I mean, I think you've, you've shared lots of things. The things that course, people are going to want to know now is how, how do we dip in our, our toe into it? Can we can we trial it? Can we evaluate it? Can we see it? What about? I mean, you've touched on research, and it seems now that every conversation about edtech seems to be framed somewhere along the line about we want it to be research informed, different tools, different kinds of research. 
but just shape a bit about where people can find out more and build that confidence and reassurance and nurture. Absolutely. So for, for any schools or, or um, organizations out there that are interested, first of all, you can check out our website. It's at gonurture.com. Um, but from there, our starting point for anyone who is interested, we'd look to have an initial call where we can do a demonstration to help you see how Nurture works. Um, but a big part, I suppose, for us, gents, is, is to help those educators and those schools and colleges see how this fits within their longer term plans. We don't want to think of one teacher being able to use this in isolation becomes really good, but then it doesn't have a knock-on effect on others within their organization. We want to see how this can be part of their improvement plans. So where that looks at, let's say, assessment collaboration, where a teacher can create an assessment and share with colleagues in their department. That helps that starting point to bring others on board. So within any kind of school or organization or trust we work with, let's start with a smaller group, have them work together, see the value in that. And then within the school, you start to hear of, a student asks the teacher, oh, can we can we have our feedback through Nurture? And that starts a conversation in the staff room where they say, oh, look, what, why are they asking about this? What does this let you do? And that, that kind of organic conversation that happens within the school, that's how we want to see it grow. So as a starting point, we'd love to hear you get in touch with us. We'd love to share a bit more, but learn about what journey you're on as a school and build it around that. Perfect. Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, thank you very much for joining us this evening, Dave, and I uh, hope to hear more about your journey at Nurture and how things really start to blossom. Uh, from that uh, initial conversation with schools and everything. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, gents. Cheers. Great product. We're both fans, aren't we? We're definitely yeah. sold in it. Lovely we had a chat with them as well at, live at the Bet Show about Nurture. Um, but, yeah, a really good one to kick off the event this evening on, and uh, definitely go check out Nurture. Now, I'm slightly nervous because I can see Trouble has arrived in the green room. Our guest is up next. I probably shouldn't have said that out loud, but there we go. I've done it now, so we will stick with that. I'm wondering where she actually is. I, I saw she was tweeting saying she was on a journey from Hartford up to Yorkshire. Uh, and if it's Hartford, Hartford, as I know it, that's, that's down on the south coast, and York's quite a long way. So, But seeing an agreement, she doesn't look like she's uh, got a Starbucks in hand either. Uh, so let, let, enough prelim. Should we welcome Sammy on to uh, the Check It Out show? Sammy, welcome. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yes, I have literally landed about five minutes before we came on. Brilliant stuff. So tell us about your journey. Oh, today it was Birmingham. Birmingham and back in a day. Ah, right. Okay. Not as far as the South Coast then. Not as far. And then just listening to Dave, huge fan of nurture. Know them a long time. It was lovely to hear him and see him. Uh, great stuff. Unfortunately, he's left now, but uh, if he uh, if watches back on the Rewind, we can always do a shout out and uh, direct him to that point there. I know he's back in the green room as well, so uh, lovely that you heard that from you. Listen, Sammy, we're, we're all sounding like old friends because we are old friends, but can you tell us a little bit about um, where you're working and, and what you're coming on to the show to share with us about this evening? Equatio, I believe, yes? Yes, it's Equatio this evening. Um, thanks for having us on again. Uh, my name's Sammy. I am Teaching and Learning Specialist at Texthelp. Um, if you've heard of us, you may have heard of something called Read and Write, which is our literacy-based product, but I'm here to talk about um, Equatio, our maths product today. Uh, I'm a maths teacher. I've been a maths teacher for many years, stumbled into EdTech, and have now found myself at the wonderful world of Texthelp. Um, and Equatio is an accessibility tool, that's its primary focus. Um, and it's about giving students who need that extra support, the extra support um, that it can. So we make maths accessible and we make maths digital as well. But for me, the product is so much more than that. Um, it makes maths visual. Uh, I've been a fan and used it for many years in my teaching. And if you think about a complex maths problem where, you know, let's say, Al and Mark are sharing £50. 
in the ratio <laughs> in the ratio three to two you can work out which way around you're going with that one um and it, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of decoding to happen in that question and what we have is we have a wonderful space called math space which is our whiteboarding space and if you think of any sort of whiteboarding tool or a jam board or something like that we have that but for maths and so your 50 pounds can be 50 pound coins and we can drag them about and we can manipulate them um, and for me when I was in the classroom it was everything that would live in my maths cupboard all the counters, all the cubes, all the things that I'm touching, that I'm trying to touch them like they're here now, all those concrete materials that we know help make the difference when we're learning maths. Equatio does those digitally and you can assign it to students so they get their own version. And my students always had a version of 10p coins, 5p coins, um, tens rods and um, a number line, including negative numbers, even up to my 74 year old who was studying GCSE maths with me, because those are the things that as maths teachers we know make the difference. So we are an accessibility tool. We will read maths aloud. We will read handwritten maths aloud as well. So if you've got a page full of handwritten notes that have happened on the board, you can take a quick photo. We will read those aloud, but we'll also type them up as well to make them accessible longer term. Um, and if you've got PDFs, we will insert maths into PDFs to make them, you know, a more tolerable document for everyone. But we will also read those aloud, including the maths as well. But we'll read the maths aloud in student speak with the correct maths operators, not like a speech reader that goes three bracket. It's three to the power of eight. Um, and when we input and when we get students to input the maths, we've got a full equation editor, including a latex editor, which is really for degree level maths, but we cover everything. And in that equation editor, we have predictions. And so if you have a question about the area of a shape and you're not quite sure what the formula is and formula sheets are back in GCSE now as well, Equatio gives you that little nudge and it'll predict the formula for you. And it's editable and then you can insert it into the document. I think it's fair to say anything from Textile we know is gonna tick all the boxes when it comes to accessibility and and make sure that everybody can get the maximum out of the solution. Listening to it, you lost me at the pound coins, to be fair, on the mathematics scale. But nonetheless, um, I absolutely embrace the idea in terms of how we can visualise maths and actually break that down and decode it. If I'm a school and a teacher using that with my students, what happens with the results that a child uses? Is it in isolation to help with the working process or can you capture their results and bring those back in terms of collaborating within the classroom? Yeah, so we can um, we have a grade reviewer in our platform that you can use, but we integrate into Google Classroom as well. So you can use your normal Google Classroom workflow with it. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get the math teachers to sort of think, let's make it accessible by design. Let's give everyone the tools that they need by design um, give them the counters, the cubes, the blocks, all show them where they are so that they have access to them and drive that student independence if we've got more mature students. But that's what we're trying to do with this product. We're covering all the accessibility. And just to say as well, Equatio is um, cleared as an exam reader. So a human reader can't read the numerals in an exam. Equatio can read the maths in an exam as well. So it's a no brainer on lots of fronts for maths teachers. That's great, Sammy. Listen, manipulatives, 
absolutely key for teaching math. So completely on board with that. Uh, really, really like that. But um, and, and there's so many things to love about TechStop. And, and uh, as you'll have heard me doing a shout out in the intro, perhaps, uh, you know, um, um, a, a, a friend of, of the family with, with uh, the TechStop uh, crew. But um, I'm aware, as you are, there are other products uh, for mathematics uh, in, in the marketplace. Well, what sets Equatio um, apart from other products that schools might be considering for maths? I think because we do the accessibility and the manipulatives, I think that sets us apart to start with, but also where within your domain. So that's secure aspect as well. If you have maths teachers that have navigated naturally in the course of the past two years to free websites that do manipulatives, are they within your domain? Are there adverts popping up? Um, and with us, it's within your domain and each student gets their own version of that manipulative so that they can use it. And it just gives you that little bit more control. But more than that is that we are a massive brand and we've 10 million users worldwide just on Equatio. So you're coming to one of the biggest players in what sets us apart is that we are driven by our customers and need and constantly innovating the product. I was with a customer in Italy last week and one of the translations wasn't quite right for her local dialect. It's fixed. It's changed. So that's that's what you get with us. Great, thank you. And I suppose the next question is: assuming that I've got twenty pounds of that original fifty pounds that you handed to Mark and I, and I wanted to invest that towards um, the solution in my school, how would I go about finding out more, having a look uh, at it, having a play with it, and so on? Yeah. So we um, offer it free for teachers. So if you just Google text help free for teachers you'll find um, all our products are available free for teachers have a play see if it fits what happens in your classroom um, and if you want a wider conversation just get in touch with us um, via any of the channels and we'll be more than happy to chat i love the free for teachers that's the best way to really get under the skin and get confidence in solutions that's really good uh, brilliant stuff. And uh, just a, a little shout out as well, because I know how, uh, how accessible she is as a person as well. If you're looking for some uh, some pointers and what have you, uh, please do to sort of reach out to Sammy. Her Twitter handle's there, yeah. What the Trig Math. Uh, she is uh, um, lovely and helpful in lots of different ways. Uh, so please do give her a, a shout out. Uh, she's uh, on Twitter more than I am, which is saying something. So um, uh, please do that. But anything else you wanted to share before you disappear, Sammy? I think you're supposed to caveat that, with, but not in work hours, obviously. <laughs> Unless it is work, Al. Unless it is oh, work. Oh, it. <laughs> uh, no, thank you very much for having me along, lads, and I hope I wasn't too much trouble. No, not no, at all. Not and at all. happy that you had a decent connection and not stuck on some uh, motorway yeah. services somewhere as well, Sammy. Lovely to see you. Thanks, guys. Good to see Cheers. you. Thanks. Bye. They do do some cool tools at Textile, don't they? They do. Every that. product seems to be so well thought through, really good quality. Yeah. Yeah. All bit note for the PDF adaptation, read and write as well. There's yeah. some fantastic uh, offers there, uh, and as you say, free for teachers, great way to um, get those those grassroots conversations going. And uh, I like like David was saying at the beginning, actually, you know, talking through uh, um, nurture, having those smaller conversations, growing those seeds, having those conversations, getting the adoption right, implement it, so forth. So great. Yeah, way really getting into the seeds and nurture and growing honestly if the linking here is amazing i know i know i mean is there some banana reference so i can talk about things being ripe for the picking i mean that would be a good one now we're going to skip from that and move on to our next guest see if we can find a segue into that we're not really heading home but we're going to head to uhq that's actually a really bad segue isn't it it is a really no. bad segue yeah Let, but, let's uh, invite jez in to join us for our conversation before we make any more silly segues hi jez how you doing guys how you doing that was a good segue i like that well played Thank you. I'll take that. There you go. <laughs> every, every little help with a compliment, Fred. Thank you, Chess. Thank you. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. 
So UHQ, give us a bit of a summary about what UHQ is all about. I'm loving the T-shirt, by the way. Very cool. Yeah, repping the stash, guys. There's, uh, I'm sure I can get you guys a T-shirt if you'd like one as well at some point. Um, UHQ, we are, there's four of us, four directors, uh, all good friends from university, did a sports science degree and went on and did very different things with our with our lives. I um, I became a PE teacher, um, so be, be kind to me, guys. Um, taught PE for 16 years, um, and I found in the last few years, uh, possibly as a result of COVID, um, that the mental health and well-being of staff and students in schools was, was really struggling. It definitely was in the school I was working in. And from the conversations I'd been having with, with friends and people in education, I think it was it was becoming a growing issue, um, and decided to do something about it. So myself and my co-founder, we've we've gone full time on this project, and we've created what we believe is a, is a fantastic app uh, for students to um, to log their mood and well being, so that staff have the valuable data they need to try and support them as best they can. So really, you know, what we started looking at the stats for mental health. Um, it's obviously a buzzword that's used a lot of the time, mental health and well-being. We're trying to kind of break that noise and, and, and really get into schools and support as many students as possible um, so that they feel like staff are, are, are there to help. Um, you know, looking at some of the stats, I think, uh, I think five in 30 students uh, in a classroom are, are likely to be suffering from some kind of mental health issue. So we are offering our app as a, as a unique way for schools to change the way they care for their people. So at the moment, it's very much student focused. But on the roadmap, we are looking at um, ways we can support teachers as well, because we know there's teacher burnout out there. Um, but really, the way the app functions is students are regularly and consistently recording how they're feeling in that moment, um, their perceptions of their well-being. And then that data gets pulled across to pastoral staff um for interventions to then happen so that it doesn't become a, a bigger issue further down the line so it's that real kind of prevention rather than cure method i guess our kind of secret source that we use as well one of our directors is a clinical psychologist in the nhs and he he loves something called acceptance and commitment therapy which is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy it's really easy to use um, and we've got some functionality built into our app which really sets us apart um, so that students that are really struggling can use that um, it's called values-based goal setting. So really thinking about what their personal values are and the person they might want to become and setting some goals around that. We've built that into it as well to then give that extra kind of approach to, to their overall well-being. So, um, yeah, it's been for me, I've been a teacher, like I say, 16 years. I, I, um, I stopped teaching at the end of last term. So the last sort of six to seven weeks has been a brilliant sort of fun journey for me trying to grow a brand and, and talking to people like you about it rather than running around a sports field. Brilliant stuff, Jez. Thank you. Um, as a teacher myself, uh, uh, by trade, I, I've been out of the classroom for a little while myself now, a bit longer than, than uh, six or seven weeks, but um, uh, certainly, uh, you know, 20 years in, under my belt. But um, you know, if I was sat there as like a head of house or a head of year, and I'm thinking, Do you know what, this would be great for our PSHE lessons or for some time, you know, uh, I come from a vertical tutoring background, but not all schools are like that. But let's say, you know, I can see within my house, this would be great for, for all my students. Um can you unpick a little bit about how that might work in terms of uh, sort of management on, on that sort of a level? For, um, if I'm if I'm trying to run on that as a, as a head of house or in, in the pastoral side of, that, and, and how you sort of go around supporting teachers and, and what it would look like, um, you know, in 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 a classroom, uh, you know, for either from a form tutor's point of view or from a PSHE sort of lesson, how is it being sort of worked on? And uh, additional to that, 
Um, what sort of training are you offering to staff about how they can then, when, when things get reported back into them, are you supporting staff with uh, activities that, uh, um, three of the things you mentioned there, because you mentioned about some of these um, uh, sort of uh, CBT type uh, approaches. Uh, are students directed on those within the app themselves, or is that something that the teacher would support them with? H how does all that sort of stuff work? That is a lot of questions to ask. Sorry, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about what you're asking. What you're, what you're asking I was counting. So. I think there's eight in there he's asked you. <laughs> if I can remember, my memory, you get on. My memory, um, the first question was, how might, might it look for a head of, head of year or head of house or someone in that party? Yeah, 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 yeah. And trying to manage it in that sort of personal yeah. setting this dual platform so the students log in on their end um it's, it's ever developing as you can imagine um but when they log mood in that moment um or they fill out something called a who five which is a very simple five question survey hmm. that data gets pulled across to a teacher admin side of the platform so if you're ahead of house you can log in and you can look at your house your year group um, you can filter it by class you can filter it in lots of different ways the other amazing thing that our app does is you can filter by mood and well-being score. So it all gets pulled across in a really lovely visual way. So heads of house can then start looking at that data and they can start creating focus groups if they've got students that are struggling with mood and well-being. Um, students can actually allocate a reason to why they're feeling a certain way. So if they're feeling low, they might say it's because they're tired or they're struggling with their sleep. Um, and if they're feeling great, they can put a reason in there as well so that they can be celebrated and praised. So it's really mm. great extra information for partial members of staff, tutors and, and heads of year to either have an intervention with kids that are struggling, um, group them on the app, but not necessarily put them in physically in a room together, but but manage and monitor them um, and then celebrate those kids that are really doing well. The other great thing that our, our app does is it's got um, really uh, clever uh, API links with, with the safeguarding companies so that if a student's mood suddenly drops off or uh, or well-being score uh, drops off or, or there's a goal that's been set or a value that doesn't look quite right, we've got really great links with some of these um, cyber safety companies and safeguarding companies. So um, those members of staff can actually log those safeguarding issues very, very quickly. So it just removes that barrier to then have to go away to yet another uh, application to log in. So that's how that looks for those pastoral members of staff. I have totally forgotten the second question. As I knew so it was more about, so let, let's say um, you know, a group of students um, have, have been reporting uh, anxiety as, as, a, as a particular um, uh, well-being need. How um, does the app then support teachers um, or if you've got a leadership role, middle leadership role as, as, uh, on a pastoral side, what sort of support are there for the teachers to then then help those students? Or is it a case that the students get the help, a sort of self-help within guidance within the actual app itself? Or is there both? That's a really question. We have resources built into the teacher admin side to support the teachers. We actually make a lot of our content ourselves as well. So we're creating podcasts, blogs, all sorts on our website. You can see it at uhq.co.uk. Um, so, but it, it really, um, it, it isn't a training platform like there's a lot of the well-being companies out there are, are cpd and training but there is support built in there and we do um flag things like act and cbt to support the teachers but our content that we're making supports them but it's a really good point you make there is within the student side it is sort of self as therapist so using their thinking about their values the tutor might lead on those sessions so i think another part of your questions was i use this as a teacher myself with a year seven tutor group mm -hmm. lesson we might watch a video together um thought-provoking think about what that means and then start looking at what values are can we set our values i listened to a brilliant podcast today with karen brady and she was saying that all her success was down to her knowing what her values were when she was young which i thought was really interesting so a lot of the pshe work that is being done in schools using our platform will really use that values-based goal setting side to, to, to help the students mm -hmm. and then they can go away 
and use it on by themselves. Again, we're trying to really um, improve self-awareness, uh, emotional intelligence within these students so that they have that so they can go on and, and be really successful, successful later on in their lives. So that's the that's the concept there behind it. Great, sir. Thank you. I think I'm spent with all my questions. I haven't seen him so enthusiastic in ages. So take that as a compliment, Jez. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of follow up, I guess, which is obviously you've got your solution, you're on a journey. What kind of evidence or kind of insights have you got from schools in terms of how it's been having a positive impact on, on children so far? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, we've had fantastic feedback. Actually, last week we were um, up in Leicester, uh, Leicestershire County Council, with piloting our our platform with with some of their schools up there so we went into the schools spoke to the schools i mean you guys will know this better than most every school in the uk is totally different um and going into schools all in the same county totally different but the feedback we've had has been been really positive i mean look we're, we're under no illusions that staff are struggling for time some schools are struggling for tech and um, we've tried to make the app as, as flexible and adaptable as possible to the different um circumstances of, circumstances of each school but in general, um, really positive. I mean, what we found is if it's flagging students that are struggling, then, you know, even if they're not enjoying necessarily using the app and logging their mood or, or setting loads of goals, if, if, it, if they're clicking on a sad face and that starts a conversation with a, with a good member of staff to help that student, then that's fantastic. And, and the sort of feedback we're getting is most students are more willing to reach out on tech, which, you know, some, some in our generation might say that's, that's a shame. But unfortunately, that is the way it is now. Um, and that is really supporting those guys. And again, the high flyers, we're getting a chance to really celebrate. As a director of sport myself, I often didn't know if students were getting into county football teams or, or winning athletics medals at the weekend. But if they're putting those goals and they're ticking them off and that data gets pulled through, then staff can have really positive um, conversations with, with the kids. And that just builds really great, meaningful relationships in schools, which for me, teaching was all about those great, meaningful connections with, with, with students. Absolutely. What, one thing you just raised about obviously was the, the difference between the student acquisition and input and, and the staff side. So for those listening, I, I take it you're an iOS, Android app for students and yeah. browser base for staff to access data and reporting? Yeah, so actually it's available as an app, uh, Apple app and, and Google Play. So the, st the staff side, they can actually access all the data. Okay. The app, so it can be used as an app or, or <clears> web. Well, yeah. And although we're um, vendor agnostic in sharing all our things, when you talk about integration for your elevating any concerns, I'm assuming you're talking about the safeguarding company, my concern, and CPOMs, those type of solutions for integration? They're the two obvious ones, and they're the two that we've been talking to, but we are have been talking to other companies. We've had you know some really great conversations with companies like Smoothwall as well. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stories, uh, you know, again, I haven't got long. I've probably gone over already, but um, you can tell I'm really passionate. But yeah, we've had some some schools that have smooth wall, and you know, something's written in this goal, and it's picked up on, and then and then an intervention's come through. So yeah, the relationship with those companies has been brilliant. And actually, for us, you know, pivoting on that, we we didn't think it was going to be a safeguarding link. We, that wasn't part of the plan, but it has become part of the product, and it's become a really a really strong part of the product as well. That's really good to hear. And, yeah, and completely separate to this, we're talking and sharing. I'd like to have a conversation separately with some of our safeguarding technology as well, because there's a good alignment with some of that functionality. Yeah, maybe the Internet Watch Foundation as well, given yeah. the conversation. So, so thinking about what we've heard today, I'm a school leader. I'm really keen to find out more. How's the best way to go about getting a feel for, for UHQ? 
So our amazing uh, creative director, who was my best man uh, at my wedding, Martin, uh, has, has created a fantastic website, uhq.co.uk. Go to there. Um, we offer a free seven-day trial for a group of teachers to trial it as a student and as a teacher. Uh, and then from there, we've got two separate packages that can be tried. We've got UHQ Essentials, which is a cheaper version, which has uh, not all the functionality, but most of it built in, and then the complete package from there. Um, but do just get in touch and also at UHQ for schools is our social media handle. I hope I've got that right or our social media manager is going to kill me. Um, but yeah, please do please do uh, look at the website or, or follow us on social media and get in touch because we are really, as you can tell, really passionate about getting this into as many schools as possible as quickly as possible so we can support as many as many kids as possible that are struggling with mental health. Brilliant stuff. Well, thanks, for, thanks for coming on share. Jez, lovely to meet you. Thank you. Good to thanks see you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, thank you. Now you need to calm down a bit after all that. Into, into I know. <laughs> take, a, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. Good solution. And at the moment, let's be honest, there's, there's lots of different approaches, but we all have a common goal, which is SEMH, focus and support on our young people. It's never been more essential than now. So the more options and choices available, I think it's fantastic. So that's a, a really good one to be able to showcase on the show this evening. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Chess, for coming and sharing. Really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll both be following up for a conversation further. Absolutely. So thank you very much indeed. N who's next up, Mr. Kingsley? So next up, we have Wise Nose. And I believe we've got Garvinda joining us. Hello, sir. Hi, guys. Hiya. Well, uh, good to meet you. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting Bisnos into this uh, discussion as well. Thanks for that. No, great to have you. So um, welcome to the show, uh, Pavinda. Uh, could you share a little bit about what uh, Wisenos is, please? What yeah, is sure. So Wisenos uh, is uh, artificial intelligence. Well, that's a word which is very commonly used nowadays, but it is an AI SaaS software as a service platform, which is uh, we uh, we pride ourselves today in terms of being the world's largest aggregator of curated content. We do not produce educational content, we curate it. And that's where the engines work. Uh, so uh, what we believed in, I think, uh, the thesis of setting up the business, it's almost eight years old now. Uh, the parent company was set up in Netherlands, and then we moved on to UK in 2018. So we've been in UK now for almost three years. But the thesis of setting it up was a large educational research project, which was done in, uh, in Netherlands in different universities, where it was actually gathered as to why is it that there is so much content which is available open source? Why is it that students do not get access to it in the right way that there's so information overload takes over rather than the right content reaching the right place at the right time. And that's where our technology came into play. And that's the technology which has been developed over the last five years. And today, I'm uh, well, I'm proud to say that after uh, taking it to the market in the last two to three years, we are a white label SaaS solution which integrates ourselves into different LMS platforms. Key thing to say here is we do not go directly to schools. We are not a direct to school platform because the way we actually integrate is within LMS platforms of different schools. So for us, an LMS provider or uh, LMS is a learning management system for our viewers, just in case uh, it's a learning management system providers or publishers who believe that there is more content which is there to be added on to the content which is already being produced by them. And I'm assuming a follow-up question should be why is it that they should come and look for more content when there is already so much content they're producing. Well, the reason for that is not every content which is produced by a publisher 
is actually relevant within that point in time because there is a PL responsibility, a profit and loss responsibility with every publisher or for, for that matter, every content producer. That's where the depth of the content and the breadth of the content comes into picture from our side. We are able to personalize content for every student's need. That's the second part of our USP or our AI IP uh, intellectual property, which is all based around every content which we curate and comes on our engine. We today have close to 65 million resources with us. Every content piece which comes on our engine is given a readability index. And that readability index is based on our own IP of around 65 different parameters, which we use to classify every uh, every uh, content piece which comes on it or every, uh, every uh, topic which comes on it. And that's why when a teacher today in the classroom through our partners, well, take for example, a grade six learning gravity, for example, just, just take it as an example for that matter, right? And a grade six is learning gravity. Now there is a standard piece of um, uh, content or let's say standard piece of educational material which the teacher has. But how do we know that a Parvinder sitting at the back of the class who really doesn't understand half the things in life is understanding what the teacher is saying on gravity. And whereas a Mark sitting in the front of the class who understands everything is super intelligent, has to take it above where is gravity going to be used rather than just the concept of gravity. Then why can't you give different resources to a Mark and a different resources to a Parvinder? And that's where we come in. We are able to give that kind of differentiated content to the already existing content and make sure that every student learns. That's the basis of what Weisner's is. That's really, really helpful. And, and so I suppose that the next question that kind of falls into my head is for those listening, is one, the breadth of content, but also that part which is you're using your AI and you're using your, your measures in terms of breadth and depth. If you were to come across a, an article on gravity written by Al, how would you validate that I knew anything about gravity or you included Great. it in your index? <laughs> so yes, that's where that's where there are two aspects to when a uh, content moves to our platform. Well, we trust our AI, but we do not trust our AI 100% because especially when it's related to education. We all know that it's it's all it's all our it's in our DNA to make sure that every student and teacher gets the best resource. So once the so let's say Mark has written an article on gravity, yes, the AI picks up that article from the engine or from the open source content wherever it is residing, comes back into the system. The system has certain parameters to check whether it is, does this have only a word called gravity or does it actually explain gravity or what exactly is it talking about as a topic? That's what it first does. And then, well, all we call it the car wash engine in, in our internal parlays, right? So we call it as car wash. So yes, it washes up the fact that yes, it is something which is actually pertaining to that topic. But then we also have teachers as a second source for check-in. So we continuously, we have a whole network of teachers across the world because we also catered, and I'll come to that as a second part, but we make sure that the teachers randomly check all the cons, all the articles and all the resources which are put onto our system because we cater to our clients in Middle East, for example, and that is very important because there's cultural sensitivity coming into picture. There is also religious sensitivities coming into picture. There are many other aspects. We today only focus on STEM, only STEM related subjects. But then the intention is at some point of time to move forward on that as well. But these are the factors we have to take it into account as checking at all levels because it's our responsibility to make sure that every content which goes on our platform is checked at different levels as well. I hope I've answered that question, Mark. 
Yeah, thank you. No, really good, and, and a great introduction as well to explain what, what uh, Wise Knows actually does as well. Uh, I'm going to take a, um, a sort of a teacher perspective for a second. Yeah. Um, so it's great that the content uh, is able to um, sort of differentiate for individual learners in the classroom, but how does a platform actually know where a learner is on their learning journey? Is, is it gathering learner data to then analyze where they're at on that journey? And then because that applies that intelligently without any interaction by the teacher? And is the teacher involved in that process? Yes, it's all involved in the, the teacher leads the process. Now there are two, another set of things which we are gathering a lot from our data. We are a young business still, so AI is as good as the data. To be really honest, I'm sure every listener of ours appreciates that, right? Your AI is only as good as the data which feeds in. There's nothing called AI without it. But to answer that question now, the, the first port of call of choice of the content is the teacher. Okay, I pick this resource, send it to Parvinder in my example, which I was giving earlier. This resource marries to Parvinder's understanding and this resource marries to Mark's understanding. And he gives, he or she, the teacher, gives that differentiated resource to the two of us. But then when the student is either at school or at home, a lot of our data is also telling us, and you being teachers, I should be, I'm an investment banker by background, so I should never ever conflict with the teacher, by the way. But just telling you uh, from that, from our own understanding of where the data is, is that we have also realized a student actually moves up and down a reading level when they find that they are reading something or trying to understand a subject which is of their choice. A student which is good at maths sometimes tries moves up a level and a student which is not good at maths or a science tries to move down a level. So we leave it for the student to find their own path within it. Yes, we give them resources at different reading levels, but we give the enablement to the student to pick and choose and say, okay, I am liking this topic, so probably I need a resource which is slightly above my reading level. I'm not liking this topic, so I might need a resource lower at reading level to come back to the higher level. So we leave that choice to the student from that perspective, and the choice is with the teacher to provide that resources if it's coming from the teacher directly. It's really interesting. Absolutely. So obviously, one of the things you've shared with us this evening is that you, you're not a director market. You're, you're providing that, yes. that valuable resource to those providing learning management systems. Um, if we've got any vendors, and we ha often have many vendors take part and listen in on the EdTech show, who feel that there's a natural synergy between your content and what they're providing to their learners, how's the best way to go about engaging with you and the team, Parvinda? Sure. So yes, our website is obviously there, which is wisenos.com. You can use up a trial. You can open up a trial account. You can use our resources. One thing I wanted to add while I was giving the introduction and possibly for the paucity of time, I was just trying to go a bit faster. But we today cater to almost all the leading curriculums in the world. So whether you're using the English curriculum, all our resources are mapped to the English curriculum key stage one to 12. If you're using Cambridge, you're using NGSS Common Core American. If you're using any of the IGCSE curriculums, we have mapped all the AI has mapped all the resources to each individual topic and subtopic of the curriculums in STEM for these resources. So sorry, coming back to that. Yes, you can go to our website or you can go to UK at wisenos.com and one of our customer success managers will directly get in touch with you. Brilliant. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Well, I feel like I've learned an awful lot myself, so I uh, probably shouldn't be at the front of the class, or maybe it was a, a different mark you were talking about before, Parvinda. But uh, thank you very much for coming along, and uh, really interesting, and uh, lovely to hear about wise notes from you this evening. Thank you very much indeed. Thank Cheers. you so much, both of us, for inviting me. Thanks, Adan. Thanks for sharing. Bye. Thank you. Do you know, I feel like I've got a wise nose after that. Oh. I've learned something. 
It's really interesting when you, you kind of understand. I mean, one of the challenges we've seen over the last 18 months is almost there's so much data being shared, so much information being shared, it becomes harder and harder to find the, the stuff that's most appropriate. So anything that can help curate is always a, a good step forward, isn't it? No, absolutely. And what was lovely as well was hearing how the AI is sensitive to sort of cultural and religious sort of sensitivity yeah. as well. Absolutely. You know, the work of Rose Luckin as well, talking about bias within AI and uh, you know, unconscious bias and all these different things in there. It sounds like they've, they've really been thinking long and hard at Wise Knows about uh, how to facilitate and ensure you know, the right sort of coverage within their, within their products as well. So good to see that due diligence going on. Uh, so next up, I think we have uh, Varun from UpSavvy. Is that correct? Yep, I'm Varun from UpSavvy. Nice to meet both of you. Hi, Varun. Welcome. How are you doing? Good evening, I'm doing sir. fantastic. Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, welcome to the, to the uh, show this evening. For those who don't know, uh, what is UpSavvy all about? Sure. So UpSavvy is a uh, digital citizenship uh program for schools. Um, so what we do is we have bite-sized interactive uh, videos uh, for digital citizenship. Um, so that would include topics such as digital well-being, privacy and security, digital footprint, online relationships and safety, cyberbullying, and media literacy. Um, so a little bit of our story. Uh, so we are a new company. We're just in the process of launching right now. Uh, mostly in the U.S., we're working with about 10 school districts. Uh, but in 2013, I had a startup called Synergize, which provided interactive training for Google Apps. Um, and we had customers worldwide. We had about 4 million users and uh, I think around 5,000 schools using the product. And Google acquired the company in 2016. Uh, myself and my co-founders worked at Google for four years, and then we decided to do another edtech startup. Uh, we all are parents, and I started uh, thinking about my kids and their use of tablets, and uh, it all scared me. So I started looking into what resources existed, and uh, I was grateful that some resources existed, but nothing really felt like it was kind of solving the solution. It all felt really high level um, and not as tactical as I think would be uh, important. So, you know, overall, our goal is around helping students make better decisions online because ultimately digital citizenship is about critical thinking and decision making and because students spend so much more time online um, i'm probably dating myself but when i was in school i didn't have a laptop i had a phone that just had snake it was a nokia and all of my interactions were done you know pretty much face to face with my colleagues um, now everything's amplified because they're done digitally online, which has, you know, some huge benefits, uh, you know, but there's some challenges regarding how amplified, uh, you know, negative, something negative could happen there. So our real point of view after sp speaking with, um, you know, probably hundreds of teachers is teachers believe digital citizenship is important, but they may not feel comfortable teaching the concepts. They think it's someone else's role to teach digital citizenship. And I think the really big one is they don't have time to dedicate 30 to 40 minutes in the classroom towards digital citizenship. It's important, but so is math, so is English, so is everything else. Um, so our kind of point of view is we provide these interactive walkthroughs, videos, and simulations, and it'll take your students less than five minutes a month. Um, 
and we go really in depth. So when we're teaching fishing, for example, we show what fishing looks like on Instagram, in Fortnite, in Discord. When we talk about things like screen time, we actually walk the student through how to check your screen time on your iPhone or Android device. So we think it's really important to not just, you know, have the high level, don't do this, you know, be safe on the internet, which I think is, uh, you know, what digital citizenship has been in the past and really empowering students and saying, you know, here's the one or two things you should really know here. And here's something you can tactically do now. Um, so you can make better decisions in the future. Um, we even have built this direct message simulation uh, system because things like cyberbullying or uh, what we call trust issues, whether it be you know phishing or online grooming, et cetera, a lot of these happen uh, via direct message. So we wanna help those students build those motor skills so that when or if it does happen, they're, they're prepared for it. Um, but ultimately our goal is to enhance the classroom experience without sacrificing learning time um, and making sure that we're the, that we are uh, focusing on the user who is the student the teacher parents and then also the it and the school admins as well so uh you know that's the 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 quick version of it it's really interesting it's a topic that's dear to my heart well our hearts we talk a lot about digital citizenship in the broader sense and, and often we want to talk more about equipping young people with skills to actually be more secure and capable than necessarily always focusing on some of the policies. <clears throat> it sounds like you've got very much, when you talk about five minutes a month, you're really focusing in on those kind of key bite-sized chunks that you're building on over time. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a lesson would have about five one-minute videos uh, within it. So the idea is it could be self-paced or it could be something that a teacher does when they have a few minutes left at the end of class time. Um, again, trying to just fit it in there instead of making it feel like another initiative that a teacher has to do um, in a world where teachers have more and more initiatives. Absolutely. And, and this is kind of one of those questions about the differentiator. There's quite a few vendors, providers looking at providing different types of resources to support digital citizenship because it's such a, a prevalent topic. Where would you see is the key differentiator in what you're doing that would really make it stand out, Baron? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, thing that makes us stand out is we view ourselves as a technology company and not a content company. Um, our background is, you know, we're ex-Googlers, we have Google engineers on the team. So we're looking to solve problems using technology. So our solution isn't, um, we're gonna just build more videos. We built this direct message simulator, for example, we're building interactive walkthroughs. We'll probably automate processes to save teachers uh, time. Uh, we have very detailed reporting. We've built an admin control. So an admin can see you know, who's done which lesson, when it's been completed. They can hide lessons, they can tag lessons, they can assign roles, they can provide parents access. So I think what makes us really unique in this space is we view ourselves as a technology company that is leveraging up-to-date content in this space. Um, I also think, so when we had Synergize, we had to make sure all of the content was up-to-date to all of Google's interfaces. And that's a huge challenge. Um, and that's a challenge we're willing to take on here as well. So if uh, a certain app or platform changes their interface, like we'll update the content as well. 
knowing that it's a huge challenge, but we think that's really the secret sauce for us is the students are on their phone. Let's teach them how to do things there, even if it's harder for us from a, a tech and content side of things. Well, can I just ask as well, there's one follow-up on that, which is obviously you, you've got that Google pedigree, that experience across your team. What about platform support for your technology? Are you very Google-centric or do, are you accessible from lots of different platforms? Yeah, we're definitely vendor agnostic. We have no clear point of view on that. Um, even regarding uh, the use of certain pieces of technology, we're trying to be as unbiased as possible. Um, even with things like screen time, we believe that there's not a hard and fast rule where it's like you should only have three hours of screen time because we think every child is different. Depends um, what you're doing. Oh, could it depends on what they're doing, oh. right? One could be, uh, you know, mindlessly looking through TikTok for eight hours. And that's very different than trying to be a creator and building, you know, video editing. And you're kind of going into that as a career, right? So our point of view is to be vendor agnostic and we give the ability for uh, schools to hide lessons based on what's appropriate for that school. Um, sorry, I forgot the rest of the question there. <laughs> Can I just dig deeper about the vendor agnosticism for a second? Because it, you're absolutely right. You know, when you become a parent, it changes everything, right? Uh, and uh, taking your example earlier about um, sort of fishing and grooming on Fortnite, Fortnite's a game which runs on many platforms. So you mentioned Android and uh, iOS and uh, what have you for screen time. But do you, do you, do you, do you spread further onto other games or gaming platforms, so like Fortnite on a Switch, for example, or Fortnite on an Xbox or other platforms like, like that? Yeah, so I think ultimately for topics like that, it's more about how a phishing link would be sent in a chat message. And we're trying to use, you know, Fortnite as an example, but typically the way a chat dialogue looks across different games is fairly similar. Um, so, so it doesn't, it's not something that we feel the need to go into that level of depth because we think phishing depending, like regardless of device is kind of the same. Where mm. we'll do it differently is like something like checking screen time where the actual process is different on different platforms will absolutely go in depth there, right? So if we're teaching privacy and security settings, each social media app, for example, has a different process to do that. So in those type of situations, we'll absolutely, you know, take each social media app and go in detail there. Brilliant. That's answered that massively for me. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you. Is there any more, Al? Yeah, well, I guess the one we always like to kind of, con not conclude, but sort of wrap, wrap around is how do schools find out more? The opportunity to trial it, get involved, find out more, have a look at some of the impact it's had in schools already? Yeah, absolutely. So upsavvy.com, U-P-S-A-V-V-Y.com. Uh, there's a contact us form, reach out to us. And uh, myself or one of the co-founders are happy to do a demo. We provide trial access. Um, again, we have all of the integrations such as uh, Google sign-on, Microsoft sign-on, and we have Clever and ClassLink, which are very US-centric kind of rostering systems that pulls in the grades, it pulls in the class. I'm happy to have a discussion regarding uh, you know, the UK market and, and see if there's um, additional integrations or things we should be considering. Perfect. Uh, brilliant. Uh, I think we'll be in touch on that one. <laughs> thank you very much indeed, Varun. Thank you. Yeah, really thank you so time. much. Take care. Thanks. Cheers for your time. Thank you. Yeah, we know from our own products, Clever and ClassLink tend to dominate in the US alongside the Office 365 and Google sign-ins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, some, some really interesting content there, some other ideas. I mean, it's it's great I mean, in many ways. We've, we talk about the, the catch-up narrative about, you know, 
knowledge and acquisition of information, but actually the thing that we really see most consistently at the moment is focusing on social emotional health, digital citizenship, equipping young people with the right skills and tools, that self-reflective part of their SMH. So it's really nice that we've got that kind of balance as part of the conversation this evening. So really good no, to see absolutely. That. And good to see some bite-sized content for kids as well. I mean, TikTok, yeah. as we know, is that it is, you know, that's how it could be a rabbit hole, actually. But if, if you can capitalise on that with the resources through something like App Savvy, uh, in that sort of short bite-sized thing, it isn't going to mm. add on lots of extra uh, for teacher time as well. Seems to be a bit, a bit of a win for us, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, let's move on. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, next, but last but one guest for this evening, uh, we have Luke from Inspire Education. Hello how there. How you doing? Hello. There's a happy chappy. Good to see you. Oh, it's, it's a British summer evening, so what's not to be happy about? <laughs> it is lovely. Look, looking at the window over here, it's a beautiful evening, isn't it? Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you both. It's good to see you again, Mark. Yes, you too, Luke. And uh, as I, I was explaining to Al a little bit about the work you do and uh, the, the product before we went live and things, but um, for everyone else watching uh, either live or post uh, live um, who don't know about uh, what you're doing uh, already, could you share for our audience what it is that you're up to? Of course. I, I tell you what, this is a very tricky one for me because I've got a reputation of being extremely verbose. So to keep this short, it's going to be tricky. So it is seven years worth of work and we launched our site uh, probably yeah around October, November time. Just a bit of a background, just to reassure anyone who's a teacher. I am a teacher, fully fledged, and those who work on the on the on the platform are teachers as well. So when I was teaching, just a very quick background. Obviously, was very disenfranchised with what I saw in terms of tech, in terms of immersing children. So I did the next best thing, I suppose. I went into research and did that for a bit. Really enjoyed it, and then Inspire became, I guess, the birth child of a bit of research we did particularly what I, what I was looking into. And so what we've got, we've got two platforms. Um, we've got a literacy platform, and then you've got your foundation subjects. So effectively, um, we do these 3D scenes that are historically accurate. So if you're looking, in, like, I don't know, if you're looking at the ancient Maya civilization, or if you're looking at the Industrial Revolution, or if you're looking at ancient Egypt, uh, Anglo-Saxon Vikings, we have these 3D environments all animated to give children exactly what the field would have been like during those ancient times. We also have geography as well, so kind of volcanoes, rainforests. And it just gives a, a, the children a real firm idea of what these ancient civilizations were like. Alongside it, we have inbuilt 3D models so they can explore processes, they can explore uh, caves, I suppose, if they're looking in the Stone Age, they can go into pyramids and look at some of the hieroglyphics. We have hundreds, I mean hundreds of videos. Uh, some of them are sampled on our YouTube channel uh, all around the site. Um, and alongside all these amazing scenes, we call them, uh, we have your kind of pathways to progress. So we have inbuilt lessons with knowledge organizers, with lesson plans, with a little bit of analytics in there as well. Not too much to put the teacher off because data is just too big, I think, at times. Um, and our literacy platform is extremely similar to our education, but we embed things like, um, I know, fantasy stories, um, Beowulf. So, you know, bringing in some of that Anglo-Saxon mythology, Theseus and the Minotaur, Hercules that builds into the ancient Greeks. And it avoids the misconception to put your history skills and your geography skills into your literacy. And that's one of the misconceptions teachers tend to do is they kind of mix the two up. Uh, we really, really reassure teachers that on our system, they're very, very separate. So 
teachers can make sure that they're teaching the right things against the right skills. So that is it in a nutshell. But inside it, there's 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 lots and lots more. That's quite a good synopsis there. My, my, I've got visual pictures now of, of minotaurs and pyramids and all sorts of other bits and pieces. <laughs> so, so what's the key? I mean, obviously, we can we can probably preempt and understand what the real hook is and key in terms of student engagement. But where are you seeing that it's really differentiating in terms of how it is delivering and getting greater student engagement? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of the engagement, that that that's completely, you know, hopefully self-explanatory. Children are used to games. I think, you know, somebody was on before talking about games. That's what children are so used to. And just kind of having that hybrid approach in school, because our scenes look real, but they've got that kind of gamey look, I suppose, yeah. um, that immerses those children in. But, you know, the thing we're really proud of, uh, funnily enough, is the pedagogy um, in our learning. So, you know, it very much is style and substance. So, for example, in our in our literacy platform, I think you know this is a primary platform primarily uh, for primary schools. You know, we we hope, don't we, that when that child at age eleven goes to high school, we kind of wave them off and say, hope that they can read and write. That's the kind of the staple diet, isn't it? For for certainly for literacy. So what we build into the pedagogy behind our site is is really really good. So they're about two to three weeks long. So it's not to step on the toes of all the hard work literacy teams are doing. So they're very short, but they're very intense. So I've got the list. I've written it down in case I miss something. So every single one of our writing programs has emotional literacy. And that's really difficult to teach. These are written by professional people. So they have one emotional literacy session. I think we all agree that in the current environment, health and well-being is absolutely vital. So we build that into, into our units philosophy so other end of the spectrum one end of the spectrum is your emotional well-being the other end of the spectrum would be philosophy which is your deep level thinking you know your high exploration thought so on that spectrum we've got the two covered and um, you, your comprehension so your reading skills everything's built in it's all online you know can do it all online you can, there's ebooks and audio books and all that and um, film studies we actually make our own movies um, they're nothing like what you'd see in the cinema, but they're, they're fairly decent. Uh, you know, they're really, really good because when they go to high school, um, children in key stage three will be analysing film. Our point is, why not bring it into key stage one and two? I don't get it. Bring it into key stage one and two. It's a form of literacy um, that we're helping support later on in, in their school journey. Game based learning. So we've got, you know, little games they can do. It's all teacher led or child led and it's all based on their reading skills. So testing them on summary, testing them on inference, testing them on retrieval, these real crucial reading skills. Your 21st century skills, the whole point of it is building on the cultural capital of the child. That's vital. You know, we want these children to end up to be good citizens, that they can contribute successfully to society. So they'll be looking into critical thinking. They'll be looking into collaborative work, communicative work and creativity. So the four, you know, those four C's in your 21st century skills, a buildup of knowledge. So if they're looking at Anglo-Saxons, they're going to learn about the Anglo-Saxons. Uh, so they'll be looking into the knowledge of that. And music as well. We actually have one literacy lesson that's based upon music. Music is a narrative. That's why we enjoy films. We listen to the music and it, it evokes some sort of emotion. So we're going to be getting the children to analyse music as well. So it's, it's very much literacy but in a very much a three-dimensional way so they can look at it from different faces rather than just flat 
which is reading and writing. It's really bringing them into that uh, that stream of thought. And that's just the literacy side. I mean, there is the foundation subject side as well, which is your geography, science, history. Um, but time will run out if I go through that. But it gives Look, can I just ask you really quickly before Mark jumps in? Obviously, yeah. you, you've shared lots there, and it's great hearing about that focus on the pedagogy. You've obviously come from a background where research is something that you, you value deeply. How are you finding in terms of generating that kind of evidence about the kind of impact that you're having and, and, and how it's actually helping with children's progress? Yeah, well, we, 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 we always keep in touch with um, the teachers who use the platform. In fact, you know, often or not, a parent will touch base with us um, because we give child logins, of course, for children to use them at home if the teacher allows them access to use it at home. And we just get emails all the time, all the time. It, 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 it's really moving, actually, because you, you put so much hard work into it for an awful lot, amount of time, um, getting feedback from teachers, from senior leaders um, and from parents particularly. It, it's a real rewarding thing. So we know it's working really successfully. And yeah, we only launched the site. It's only probably been running, I suppose, six months. Um, right. So to get feedback so early on is, is yeah, really important. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Listen, I'm, I'm mindful of time and uh, all these sort of things, Luke. Uh, but um, so you know, we, we talked quite, quite some time ago now about uh, about where you're at in your journey and, and what it can do. I love the demonstration you gave me. You you talk about the richness of the content, and I can I can attest to the the quality of, of, the, of the work that has gone into it and the quality of the resources that children and teachers have access to as well. So uh, really, really good. Because um, I'm mindful of time, uh, I'm just going to say two uh, two things before you, before you wrap up. First of all, if people do want to sort of follow up and, and find out. And learn more about uh, what it is you're doing where can they go to yeah go to straight to our website if you wanted to mind the home page it needs a, a bit of work as i said we're, we're, we're fairly new so www.inspire.education but just ping us an email hello at inspire.education that's that's the best way and we'll touch base with you and we'll get you a free trial and you'll be motoring after that yeah Brilliant stuff. Thank you. The second point is just to wish you or whoever it was you had one recently a very happy birthday. Uh, just uh, I can see from your uh, bunting just behind you. There. So if it's your birthday today, uh, a very happy birthday to you, Luke. <laughs> I didn't think you noticed that. Yeah, it's my little daughter. She's two today. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, happy birthday to your daughter today then, Luke. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, both. Thank you very much. See you. uh, you're very welcome. Luke. Lovely to see you again, mate. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, you get the brownie point for observational skills. I couldn't spot that. So well done, Mark. Well, I wear the Specsavers, you see. I don't know where you're going for your uh, glasses, Al, but uh, new prescription, perhaps. And these, probably, is more important. Right, last but not least, our last guest, we have got Joe from Easy For You. Yes, welcome, Joe. again. Uh, this is a familiar Hello. Hello. Yeah, but a uh, different company. So um, Easy For You, Joe. Um, yes. Can we just check, first of all, no association with EasyJet, I hope, because we've both had... <laughs> very, very different. different on every scale you can imagine. <laughs> I'm happy to clear that up. Back to you, Mark. <laughs> so, Joan, uh, new move for you, uh, easy for you. Um, could you share a little bit about easy for you and what it is you're up to with them, please? Yes, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, um, I, I wondered whether you guys had actually done this intentionally and put me last because actually 
looking at all those wonderful edtech products that are out there, all these amazing technologies to support teaching and learning and mastery of subjects and delivering the right content to students at the right time and all of that relies upon students all having equal and consistent access to the appropriate hardware to support all of those softwares. Um, and whilst I think we we all know that over the last couple of years, that's moved on massively because of the requirement for remote teaching, I think schools are still finding quite a few barriers to their hardware provision being easy and simple and straightforward, you know, not being a headache every single year and even not being a headache every single day, you know, with broken screens and, you know, laptop hinges and ports that, you know, aren't working and all sorts of things. So what's easy for you? So easy for you um, is powered by Class Technology Solutions. So Class Technology Solutions have been an IT managed service provider purely to UK education for 15 plus years. Um, and uh, Easy For You is a solution that we have brought over from the Netherlands uh, to help to address those barriers that schools are finding to providing standardised, appropriate and affordable hardware for students with a certainty that that hardware will be there. So I think one of the things that often stops schools or even individual teachers from uh, utilising technology to its fullest is that if they have to consider that even one of their students might not have their laptop in school that day, even if they have one, or might smash a screen just before their lesson, they can't start to build, they can't start to use technology with 100% faith that they can build a curriculum around that piece of technology, because they're always going to have to support those children that potentially don't have access to it so how do we get over that so what we do with easy for you is we work with the school to define the spec of the hardware that's going to be appropriate it might be one or two or three different specs maybe particularly in secondary school if you're looking at the difference in requirement for hardware from a year seven to maybe a sixth former you know you potentially are going to see quite a, a big difference there uh, so we work with the schools and then we will build them a tailored branded portal and then the parents go on and they then rent the device on behalf of their child. Um, now, one of our USPs is that we can support subsidising that. So uh, where parents can afford to pay the full rental amount each month, they can do and schools will you know, have an understanding uh, of, of the demographic of their, their children and their parents, where there's maybe needing a 50% subsidy for pupil premium children, they can do that. And the parents would just see the 50% amount. Uh, and if it, if the school is going to fund it 100%, that's absolutely fine. The parent can kind of order a zero cost, but it means that it's still allocated to that child. Um, and then from the school's perspective, ongoing as a part of that rental and from the parents perspective as well, as a part of that rental, there's a full wraparound assurance service, which is where the easy for you bit comes in, because we make it easy for the students, the parents, the school IT, the school finance. Um, we deal with all the insurance, the extended warranties. We put uh, replacement devices on site so that there's zero downtime for students. So they can just go give their broken device to IT, take away a replacement device, log in, crack on. And the IT manager has a portal where they can log any repair tickets. We come and collect the device. Uh, we have an aim to 
do all repairs within five days and get those back to the school. And then the IT teacher takes back the, uh, the deployed replacement device and gives the repaired device back to the student. Um, but that's all wrapped around. And yeah, the, the, the USPs really are that it's, it's school led in terms of what the technology is. So it's appropriate for what the school needs the students to be doing on it. It is, uh, it is a rental, not a leasing scheme. So parents are paying a rent monthly rental amount. There's no credit checks or anything like that because it's not a finance um, commitment that they're making. It's just a, a monthly rental direct debit. Uh, you're talking average kind of anywhere, depending on the spec of the device, from around 15 up, obviously, at the high end to maybe kind of £30 a month um, for, for the different devices. So, you know, you're not talking crazy money and that rental can be over one, two, three, four, five years, depending. Perfect. One thing just to clarify, and that's thank you for encapsulating making technology accessible for parents and for schools where that's appropriate. Um, do you have limitations in terms of the type of technology? Are you all tablets and or, or laptops? I mean, do you care if schools want to go Chromebook or iOS? Again, what kind of breadth of devices do you offer? No, we're totally device agnostic. So we are um, Dell and Microsoft Gold partners, uh, but we have very close relationships with Apple as well and Lenovo. Um, uh, so no, really, the, the process for us is to get into the school. It really depends upon what the students are going to be using those devices for as to what's appropriate. You don't want to go, you know, buying a super expensive you know, iPad or, you know, Microsoft Surface snazzy if all the kids going to be doing is, you know, if it's a primary school or prep school age child and all they're going to be doing is a bit of sort of reading and writing and maybe a bit of research and things like that. But at the same time, a basic Chromebook isn't going to support uh, a, a GCSE or a, um, an A-level graphic design course, you know. So, it's really about we want to get into the school, we want to use our expertise in terms of understanding what the technology can deliver. We want to take the school's understanding of what technologies they want to use to support their curriculum delivery and then bring them both together. And then from that, we can then do costings and, and proposals and, and all of that stuff. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump into what could be maybe a, a potentially difficult conversation because I, I've had responsibility for one-to-one -one, um, uh, um, rollouts in, in schools before. And uh, in some schools that I've worked in, it's been particularly difficult because of the behaviour for learning of, of some students within the school. And in some scenarios where there have been significant regular frequent breakages of devices, um, it has caused problems and issues and barriers for access mm -hmm. Uh, and these sorts of things. And it's had, it's had a big impact on the deployment across the school for all students when there's been pockets of small you know, small numbers that have, yeah. have made it much more difficult for others. So um, given that the company is called Easy For You <laughs> and uh, you, you want it to be, I mean, everyone's invested. We all want to make these sort of things successful. We all see the potential yeah. for, uh, for technology. Um, but the, the, the devil's in the detail sometimes. So uh, could you sort of share a little bit about how you work with schools to ensure that, you know, um, uh, and there's a partnership with Easy For You to make sure that you, uh, if you encounter these sort of problems, um, how that sort of thing is dealt with. Um, if a school is coming back and a child has, has broken 10 devices in three months, let's say, for, how is all that sort of stuff managed? Because if I was a senior leader listening to this, I'd, I'd want to get into those sort of details, really. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you've got an answer for it, which is why I didn't think you'd like <laughs> 
how do you go about sort of working in those sorts of situations because everyone wants to try and get more gear technology into the hands of students and teachers um, and, and that I wouldn't want that to be a barrier so how, how do you support schools with those sort of things Joe? So I think firstly and again the really important thing is building that one-to-one relationship like one of your guests said earlier every single school in the UK is unique they all have their own unique quirks and wonderful elements and tougher elements so the first the very first thing is that we need to get in and we need to understand what that environment is there are going to be certain things that we can do to mitigate that so for example super rugged cases we might suggest a certain device that is maybe a little bit tougher um, and a bit less likely to break, you know, potentially in those sort of scenarios, maybe a tablet might be better rather than like a two in one device if you wanted something that was touchscreen because you haven't got that hinge to, to, to break. So, you know, little things like that actually can make quite a difference just thinking about them. Um, the other thing is that uh, every school has their own dedicated account manager. So, you know, there should always be with our purpose is to build long lasting relationships with schools. So their problems are our problems in that instance then. Um, and so the, the every school has their own dedicated account manager and they will be working with the school to resolve these things. Um, if I'm honest with you, I can't think of a, you know, a one, one way would fix it for everybody in terms of we just do this in that scenario and, and that would be fine. Um, it really would depend upon the very specific individual circumstances. But I think the really important thing is that the, the school can build a relationship with us knowing that we're in it for the long haul and we're not going to just walk away or just, you know, ramp up costs to say, you know, make it basically unaffordable for them to, to deliver yeah. it, you know. No, thanks, Joe. I recognise it's a difficult, difficult question. No, it's a really uh, good question because but, um, it is. Lots of schools we speak to, even ones that are kind of feel like they've, even ones that really are doing quite well on a one-to-one device, it is a big issue for them. You know, if if students don't uh, respect the devices necessarily because it's not coming out of their pocket money, <laughs> uh, you know, then they are likely to get, you know, chucked about a bit or you know if it's in a bag and everybody's running off for lunch and you know you, you see kids all the time they finish their lunch grab their bag chuck it down in the playground in a corner and everybody you know moves off and 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 at that point in time that one-to-one -one device is in that bag and it is getting roughly treated so we, we are aware of this it's one of the reasons why I think CTS is well placed to deliver this solution because they have been working in the education environment providing IT managed services for, for so long so they do understand the environment these devices are going into for sure. Just just building on the devil in the detail part um, if I'm a school leader and I'm listening in and thinking well this might be an approach for us um, is there a critical mass in terms of the number of devices a school or its cohort of parents need to commit to so if I'm a small school just looking at one small subset is it worth talking to? 100% it is. Yeah, we absolutely understand that, 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 again, schools are all different and they're all at different stages in this journey. Some of them are kind of already doing a BYOD scheme, uh, but it's not quite working and this solves some of those barriers, but they're just, and so they're going to want to move a whole, you know, 1500 school over. Some, it might be just a school, small primary school. This is their first sort of dipping the toe in the water after the pandemic of how they might do this long term. And they want to try different things to make sure it works before committing fully. So absolutely any level, any quantity. Again, it, 
we want to make one-to-one -one devices in schools work so that students and teachers can access all of those wonderful technologies that your guests have been talking about today. Um, and yeah, that's our that's our mission. Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, I feel like we're giving you a grilling enough here this evening, Jen, so <laughs> uh, for a second here. Uh, I always get more time from you too. <laughs> here's the easy part for you. If, um, if people are interested in finding out well, where, where can they go to, Joe? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, so if they go to easyfew.school uh, or they can follow at class-technology um, on LinkedIn or email info at class-technology.co.uk. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. Joe, any further questions? No, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. And too. Lovely a great to way you. to wrap up tonight's conversation. So thank yeah, you, Joe. Uh, brilliant stuff. Thanks for coming on again, Joe. Lovely to see you. Take care. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye then. Likey, likey. I mean, all these things are about, um, I mean, I'd go one step further. We need to really have another guest on about digital connectivity. But <laughs> absolutely, I think Joe's point's really cool, which is we want to leverage all the fantastic evidence-informed ed tech that's out there when it's appropriate, but we've still got to get devices in the hands of our learners to, to maximise that. So, no, no, absolutely. No. Yeah, really good. Really, really good. Great show. So listen, thank you so much to, uh, I won't list them because know me, I'll probably miss somebody out, but uh, thank you to all of our guests uh, for taking the opportunity to come and share uh, on the show this evening. If you're watching and you're a company uh, who provides a service into education and you like to come on Check It Out Show and uh, get a bit of uh, an opportunity to have a chat with myself and Al uh, and let us all know and our audience know uh, about your service or products into education, then please do visit the link below, netsportsoftware.com forward slash showcase, where you can sign up and uh, come and share on the show. Uh, we do get quite a few viewers each and every month, so it's a great opportunity uh, and uh, 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 in the, in the way that me and I share an awful lot, uh, you know, education is a force for good. And uh, if we can work together to share a little bit about what we're trying to do to support and help young people, and that's a good thing for all of us to be involved in. So please do reach out and drop us a line uh, and uh, let us know if you're interested in joining us. But for now, uh, that's us done for this month. So from him, Smashy, and me, Nicey. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. <laughs> Bye then. Thanks, everybody.